Hello, Jordan. What's up, Michael? I've been eating a lot more fruit recently. Yeah, you've been on a big fruit kick. Yeah. What's your favorite type of fruit? <laughs> we did this like four weeks ago. Did we? <laughs> yeah, we, we listed all the fruits, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, apples, pears, bananas. Oh, yeah. Have yeah. Been... Wait, did we do this on a recorded call or was that just you and I talking? <laughs> I don't remember, but we don't need I think to go it was deep. just you and I talking. I think it was on the pod. I really do. Oh, okay. Well, right now you're having a nanner. I'm having a banana for the video pods, a little carb up. I just, shifting from a little more process to a little less feels good. You're preaching. You know? You are preaching. How are you? I'm good. You know, I'm a, I'm an E, so building up momentum as we go through the last podcast now into this one. Yeah, I'm an I'm I, exhausted. So I'm, I'm tired. You're 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 losing steam, which is why you had to get that carb. Yeah, I had to had to carb up for the steam. But you still got the pre workout in you and the the post workout high. Half life of caffeine's five to seven hours, bro. I'm still in a I'm still in a wonderful spot. Why did Why did they start? Why did they say half life? Like, why not just say, like, it lasts this long? It's a scientific term, if I remember correctly, where it doesn't last that long. It means if you ingest 200 milligrams of caffeine at noon, okay, then five to seven hours later, if five to seven yep. hours is the half-life, five to seven hours later, half of the caffeine is out of your system. Yeah, that makes sense. So I don't know that you can say that how long it's in you because if that's half, then the other half would be gone in the full life. I don't know if the other half is gone in 10 to 14 hours or if half of the half is gone in 10 to 14 hours. Oh, what? Why do they call it half-life? <laughs> I want to see this. Half-life is the time that it takes for half the original value of some amount of radioactive element to decay. This implies that one half-life is the time that it takes for the activity of the source to fall to half its original value, right? It's what you just said. But, um, all right, I'll look more into this. Yeah, I just don't really get it. You're wondering why the term isn't like it's all out of your system. Yeah. Well, because, so if it's just double it, then yes, I agree. It doesn't make sense. 10 to 14 hours is the time it takes to be out of your system. But if it means that then it takes another five to seven hours to go down to 25% and another five to seven hours to go down to 12.5% and another five to seven mm. hours to go to 0.0625%. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that would make sense. Then it's uh, it's this curve, yeah, right? Yeah, so it yeah. doesn't actually hit zero. But that can't be right because yeah. that would mean if you- it's, It never it's like, gets down to yeah, zero. X approach, like limit. It's a limit problem in calculus. See, oh. last time we were talking about hitting your third grade audience, we're hitting advanced. This is AP Whew. Calc with Syat Fitness and OTR here at the How to oh, Become yeah. a Personal Trainer podcast. What should we dive into? Dude, you tell me. What do you want to dive into today? I can't prove this, <laughs> but. but I'm just going to make a bold statement that I don't really I agree it. with, but I kind of do. Zone two cardio <laughs> is suboptimal uh -oh. for fat loss. What is optimal for fat loss then? Let me let me just fully kind of state my my thought process here. Um, zone one. Well, what what's really optimal is dialing in your nutrition, <laughs> right? Is, yeah, of course. And and then on the calorie expenditure side, getting more steps in. In my personal experience, in my experience with clients, getting more steps in, which is zone one cardio, not to be confused with zone two cardio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> leads to an increase in calorie expenditure, which is good for fat loss, that does not come with the simultaneous increase in hunger. Okay. I have found that zone two plus, so zone two, three, four, five, like all the way up in cardio intensity, unbelievable for health, right? Zone two is especially heart health. Uh, really good for performance in various sports and, and activities, um, makes me feel better when I do it, is makes it harder to adhere to nutrition. And I think there are both physiological and psychological reasons why. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of this that, yeah. because 
a couple clients, one or two historic current that uh, have gone through things like this where the increase in zone two cardio for health benefits has led to more difficulty adhering to nutrition. Meaning, let's say you burn 250 calories, just to throw a number out there, in like a 45 to 60 minute zone two cardio session. That leads to overeating by more than 250 calories in that day on average. And whether that is because uh, there's the rationalization of, and it's probably more that, but whether it's the rationalization yeah. of, I did more today, therefore I get to eat more, which I, which I think is probably the the bigger factor, versus actual increase in physiological hunger or need for increased calories, which I think is is part of it, but zone two is suboptimal for fat loss. I'd be interested to hear your your experience with this because I've had many clients who say high intensity cardio blunts their hunger. And I've also had many clients say high intensity cardio increases their hunger. I've had many clients say low intensity cardio blunts their hunger and others say low intensity cardio increases their hunger. So I've, I've noticed throughout clients, it's very dependent on the individual, like which type of cardio increases their, their, uh, subjective hunger. Blunts, um, blunts it immediately after or blunts it in totality? Both. Like, okay. or, like or whether it's over like a 60 minute period or like a 12 hour period the rest of the day. Interesting. Interesting. Um, okay. I, I haven't seen one definitive, like I've noticed different things with different clients. The the thing that you hit on that I completely agree with is the psychological aspect of it, which is like, I've done more. So now I deserve to eat more or I can eat more, whatever it is. That I've noticed is a bigger issue when someone's not tracking their calories. When they're not actually tracking and it's like, well, okay, well, I deserve to eat more. It's like, no, you, this if you're tracking, here's your numbers. This is what you fucking eat, period, end of story. Whereas if you're not tracking, you're just like, oh, well, the treadmill said I burned a thousand calories so I can eat whatever I want. And that's, that's when people get in real issues with that. Um, for me, high-intensity cardio makes me ravenously hungry. Like when I go to zone four, zone five, it's blunted for about 30 minutes, mm -hmm. like immediately after. And then following that 30 minutes, I'm, I'm starving. Whereas zone two, dude, sometimes I'll do zone two and like, I'm not hungry at all for like, for the next four to six hours. It, so zone two definitely blunts it. I would also argue that for the people who zone two is not increasing hunger, because you're going at a at a slightly higher intensity, but not so much that it's putting systemic stress in your body, you will inherently burn more calories than zone one, mm -hmm. which assuming you're counting, you're tracking your calories and macros and you're still hitting them, it will actually lead to a faster rate of fat loss, of course, marginally, like not a big deal. But like, I do think like the, the rate, the amount of hunger that you're feeling, I think just depends on, on how the individual is affected by that type of cardio. Yeah. If you're eating eight, if you're eating 1800 and doing five hours of zone one a week, or you're eating 1800 and doing five hours of zone two a week, you're going to see more progress doing the zone two. Right. Because you're yeah. burning more calories because it's more intense cardio. Absolutely correct. I just, that's interesting that you have seen people who have hunger in totality blunted by higher uh, intensity levels of cardio because I haven't seen that. Oh, you haven't at all? Mm -mm. Uh, immediately after, yes. Yeah. But not, not, uh, not like three, four, five, six hours after. No. Mm -mm. Interesting. But, you know, maybe I'm, I, that could have been off my radar and I wasn't even thinking to ask that type of question. I don't know. But it's, uh, yeah, just interesting. It, it takes me back to, to you know, Burkhan's like yeah, just, yeah. just lift and just track and you don't need cardio for aesthetics type of, I don't even know if that was coined. It was in that era, right? And and is, in my experience and many others, super effective. Um but you're you're right that it varies from client to client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But add, adding steps is never like 
You know, you have someone taking 2,000 steps a day and you gas them up to 6,000 to 8,000, all else equal, like progress. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best. Yep. It's amazing. And fat loss progress. And, you know, we, we've seen the meta-analysis of more steps, longer life, higher quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think, you know, we were talking about ice baths in the last episode and if people are looking for something to do, I would rather people... Like if you're going to uh, listen, if you want to do ice baths, cool, go for it. That's fine. But if you're really looking for ways to have a, a, a time effective way to have the most impact on your health, if it's between ice bath and walking, it's a no brainer for me that walking, like sitting in an ice bath is not nearly as good for health or fat loss or anything as movement, like walking, like, yeah. A hundred percent. And that's not, I can't prove this, but that's, I could Fact. prove this. Yeah. 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 The, <laughs> we didn't even talk about like take an ice bath because it increases fat loss. I don't even think we need to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't take ice baths to increase metabolic rate and lose body fat. That's not, it's not going to work for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard an interesting quote the other day. What's the quote? Eat the meat, spit out the bones. <laughs> Eat the meat, spit out the bones. All mm -hmm. right. What's mm -hmm. that in reference to? So Zuby was talking about- uh, I love Zuby. He was talking about basically being able to interact with people you disagree with and and people who have- Was that on Mind Pump? Is that what you're listening to? I think it was on Mind Pump. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you know, having conversations with people who- you know, it might not have been, but having conversations with people who you disagree with and um, still getting along and still being able to take something of value from them, which I think is getting lost in a more polarized society. But having just because I disagree with, you know, this person said X, Y, and Z thing, it's like, yeah, I, I don't agree with any of those three things. And I actually don't even think those three things are good ideas. But this person also said A, B, C, D, E, F that I think are really good ideas, really helpful, true, and I think that people would benefit from. Uh, eat the meat, spit out the bones. Like mm. people aren't all good and all bad. No two people on the planet agree on everything. And so yeah. we need to be more okay with um, uh, differentiating between the ideas someone has and the person and then being okay with like, you know, uh, using some of the good ideas and then discarding the ones that you don't agree with. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think especially now it's, it, and obviously this can really go into a political discussion, but any aspect where now more than ever, we find ourselves in echo chambers of around people who agree with us and like on, on, on these different, like big, very important topics and oftentimes when we find ourselves in these echo chambers, they will make it seem as though someone who disagrees with this is an evil person. Hmm. That's how they frame it. If the per if someone disagrees with this, then the other person, then they're evil. And it's, it's an, that's such a dangerous way to go about life to, to believe that just because someone has a different belief about this individual topic – means that they're evil. Uh, and then what they try and do is because they say that they're evil, it's like, well, then we shouldn't allow them to state their opinion or we shouldn't allow their opinion to be heard by other people because it's an evil, dangerous opinion. And that's when we want to run into so many problems. And that's what I see happening right now, especially in the US, where it's like, this side is evil, no, that side is evil. It's like, What's that stolen? Like the the line dividing good and evil runs through the heart of every human being, right? Mm. It's it's like uh, this is one. What I think my best piece of writing ever. This is it's, it's sort of devolving into a different conversation, but I'll go with it. One of my I think my best piece of writing and research ever was I uh, one of my Holocaust classes in university. I did an entire research paper. I've never researched harder than I did for this than I did for this paper. I did an entire paper all about the SS uh, soldiers in in the uh, the Nazi in the Nazi uh, organization, and they were like 
some of the worst of the worst soldiers did a ton of the killings, mass executions, mass exterminations, all of that. Um, and it was pretty crazy because a lot of the information that I had to get for this research paper was not available online. Like I had to go, you know, the old school way. I had to go to the library and like mm -hmm. check out the books. And a lot of what I was doing was I was reading journals of, of SS soldiers. I was reading accounts um, from the Nuremberg trials. Uh, I was I was reading uh, everyday accounts from from the horse's mouth like and obviously this is a little bit different because it was evil like that was that was pure evil that was true evil but what's crazy about this true evil is these people who were committing the worst atrocities known to mankind also had wives at home and they had kids and after their day at work of killing innocent people, they would go home and then they'd go on vacation and they would go to the grocery store and they'd go take their wife out to dinner. And it's just like they were living normal lives. And But the crazy thing is this, they thought, not all of them, actually a lot of them didn't believe this, but a fair amount of them were brainwashed into believing that like what they were doing was good and it was right. Mm. Ironically, a lot of them knew that it was wrong and they, and they had real issues as a result of it and, and there was rebellions. Anyway, um, I guess that sort of is a, a point going against what I'm saying, but no, no, because I, I you think if you're reading the biography of some Nazi general and within that biography, like you're taking their ideas and what they did and, and like consuming that piece of information and taking what you want from it. Yeah. I, I just think when you when you so adamantly believe that your way is the only potential right way and anything else is evil, you're building the foundation to actually commit evil mm. against the people who disagree. Like when you put yourself so high up and, and allow yourself to believe that any, anyone who disagrees with your belief around this topic, whatever that topic is, if you believe that they're evil and you think they should be silenced and no one should be able to hear their opinion, you are now building the foundation that will allow you to commit evil against that person and justify it without even realizing it under the, under the idea of, well, I'm doing good, but in reality, it's actually evil. Mm. It's a great quote. Eat the meat, spit out the bones. You ever eat Jersey Mike's? I have one right around the corner from me. I, I've never had a Jersey Mike sub. Do yourself a favor. Walk in there this afternoon, say, hey, I'd like the, the regular on um, the Parmesan bread, Mike's Chicken Philly, please. It Ooh. is unbelievable. It's a chicken. When was the last time you had it? Very recent. Today? No, but you know, within, la within last week. Okay. Uh, some insane. The the macros are unbelievable, and really, the macros are much. If you ate one, and then you looked up the macros after, you'd be like, "Wow!" And if you want a little bit lower fat, do the white bread instead of the parmesan bread, but for an extra three fats, the taste is worth it. It's a chicken cheesesteak with a solid amount of peppers and onions on it, and it's like fifty protein, seventy five carb, and in like the twenty to twenty four fat range, and it is delicious wow all right number 16 mike's chicken philly sub white bread regular 45 protein 22 fat 70 carb yeah wow yeah and and it's is it filling yeah okay and it's good all right maybe i'll go i'll go check that out yeah i uh avi you know avi about a year ago i was out in new jersey and he was taking me to, I was coaching Gary and, uh, and he was like, want to go to Jersey Mike's? Or I was like, can we stop somewhere? Like, should we hit Subway? He's like, Subway. He's like, let's go to Jersey Mike's. I was like, I've never been there ever since. Just unreal. Do you eat this regularly? I've been like a once a week Jersey Mike's guy going here for a little bit. Dude, it's wow, also, it's that. also like $8. 
I mean, I know, I know you're you're big time, but it, <laughs> I'm trying to save money, Michael. I, I I I don't eat out very often. It's <laughs> very frugal. You know what? I actually this is this. I wasn't expecting to go here with this, but for those macros for eight dollars and it's just ready to go. It like insane. No brainer. Uh, no brainer. And uh, and if you order pickup on on an app like Seamless or DoorDash, there's no fee to order pickup, and it's ready when you get there, so you don't have to stand in line and like order and. You know, you we say, should ask you if Jersey Mike's will sponsor us at this point. This is not a paid ad, by the way. This no. is real. <laughs> yeah, we don't. My mic is just going off I haven't, on I haven't how great done Jersey an, Mike's is. I actually, <laughs> yeah, I haven't done an advertisement in my career. But if Jersey Mike's wants to sponsor the pod, um, we actually still probably wouldn't do it because if they were sponsoring and paying us, then I wouldn't want to talk about it. It's just, yeah, it's true. Uh, where is I going to go? Oh, grocery, like prices are insane. Oh my God, it's nuts. But you like not eating out and eating at home and cooking was always a way to save money because if you buy ingredients and make a meal, like the total cost of that meal is in theory so much less than if you were to Correct. go out to eat. But yeah, some of the meals that we've been having here and and the the price of the ingredients at the grocery store add up close to what this type of meal would cost in a restaurant really in like a middle of the road grocery store not like a whole foods or something along like yeah, a yeah. normal grocery store which is insane which i don't even get because then it's like how are restaurants making money and yeah makes no sense they're they're you know they're not buying retail with their ingredients and they probably have some economies of scale because they're buying in in higher quantities but still it's like if i'm barely saving any money eating at home versus eating out, it's just, I never thought I'd see the day. And it's not just eggs. Like people, you know, eggs have been a big no, thing. No, it's recently. everything. Yeah. yeah. It's actually pretty crazy. And I, this is not getting political. This is, right? this is twice. This is twice in 23 minutes. Jordan's not gotten political. <laughs> I'm not getting political, but I, I do follow. Uh, I think people on both sides lie and they gaslight and they. Most, most people on both sides, I would say. Yeah. And especially the politicians at the highest level. Not like city council type stuff, but you're talking like yeah, I mean, Senate, like, House, like, like- President, like- Yeah. So I follow Joe Biden on Instagram. I follow oh, people shit. on both sides. I'm not getting political. I'm not getting political. I'm not getting I'm political. Say, I follow Joe Biden on Instagram. Let me tell you something about Joe Biden. <laughs> Listen. I'm listening. You're I've good. I've seen some crazy things that he's posting on. It, I pay attention to the comment section. More than anything, I'm very interested in the comment section of of posts, especially by big political figures. And he keeps posting, and obviously it's not Biden; like he's not posting on his Instagram, like his team is. But they they write it as though he's posting it. I would love to see Biden use Instagram, but anyway, uh, <laughs> um, there he's posting about how like grocery prices are lower than ever and gas prices are lower than ever. And I go in the comments and people are like, Joe, and, and like people who support him are like, Joe, I love you. But like, this is not the case at all. People like, I like, these are people who support him, who like devote people who voted for him. Great. Who are like, Joe, my grocery prices are higher than ever. My gas prices are higher than ever. I don't know what you're saying or where you're getting this data. But like, it's just, it's very interesting to me that like, I've noticed it as well. Like gas prices, crazy, grocery prices, crazy, but it's just weird to see like that coming out. I don't know. I don't know. Very odd. Like, I don't know what, I don't know. Just weird. There's an old saying that anyone who wants to be king would be a bad king and that yeah. the person who should be king is the person who doesn't want it. And this is best exemplified in a top three greatest movie of all time, Gladiator. When, oh, yeah. Yeah. when Marcus Aurelius is, you know, in in his final years and months and tells Maximus that he wants him to take over. And Maximus has been fighting. He's a general. He's been fighting with his, his army uh, for years. And all he wants to do is go home to see his wife and his son. Maximus would be the proper person to put in control and then eventually uh, give the power of Rome back to the Senate, which is what he ends up doing like through the 
you know, sorry, spoiler. Spoiler. But if you haven't seen the movie from like, I don't know, 1999, but unreal. Um, he is like, like that is the, the fiction that hits closest to the truth of the story of the, the, the concept that the best person for the job and that position of power is the person who doesn't want power. And, uh, and right, left, center, I don't care, most of the, like, we used to all distrust politicians in the 90s. Like, every, everyone yes. distrusted the politicians, which I think is the right mindset. And, yes. and we're going to leave the politics here. But like, yeah, as, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why President Biden is uh, saying those things on on Instagram or whichever staffer, whichever Gen I don't Z staffer. Know where all this his. trust in the government came from. Like any side, like it's, 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 it's so crazy. There, there's I'm like, so much you guys art. need to read some fucking history books. I don't think people. Or even look at what's going on currently. Do in people other actually trust? I think they just. Oh yeah. I think they just hate the other side so blindly that it, then they're wrapped up in this us versus them. And they're not even thinking about whether they trust the person on their side. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. they've been told the other side is so evil. Going back to what we're talking about, that like their side must just be pure good. Mm. It's like, huh, you think your side is good? <laughs> okay, good luck. Well, and that's and then when you and then when you see arguments, it's like one person, a person on the right brings up a point, then the person on the left like ignores that point but brings up something like, oh, but your side did this, and the person on the right doesn't address this. They're like, yeah, but your side did this. It's just talking <laughs> over each other and past each other. It's ridiculous. Bring bring back the nineties. We don't. You know, dude, the '90s were the best. Blink One Eighty Two, Yellow Card. Uh, who else? <laughs> I love that you go straight into bands. That's, dude, that's just like what I think about, like really? the '90s music. Oh my god, yeah, I'm taking my wife to Blink One Eighty Two this summer. They're doing like a, a tour. I'm, I, I don't even like live music, but I'm very excited for it. That's awesome. Yeah, I read a, I read a good article on Substack about the '90s from someone who graduated high school in 1999 and uh and all through his high school career his teachers were telling the whole class how amazing this new millennium was going to be in the year 2000 uh. and you guys are going to be adults going into the year 2000 and things are just going to be amazing he was reflecting back on the 90s and childhood and it was it was quite Did nostalgic you running with a cd player and trying to make it so the cd didn't, didn't skip, skip yeah. as you're <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Do I, remember? I remember like whole, like literally on yeah. a run like yeah. trying to like hold it super soft as mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. absolutely <laughs> with my wraparound headphones oh god those were so good the best yeah, I remember the first time I ever tried running with the CD player and I had it in my pocket and it was just banging into my leg and I it was skipping like every two seconds and then you had to carry it. Yeah. Just look, here's the biggest takeaway for me was uh, <laughs> we're going real off topic and whatever. This is a personal trainer podcast. We, the amount of time that we spent outside doing nothing with friends without fear and you just left in the morning on like a weekend day or I was out for four, five, six, seven hours and I kind of knew where I was allowed to go and where I wasn't. And then you came home for dinner. And yeah. and like the things that you did and the games you played, I don't know. There, There's definitely an argument to be made that like every generation judges the new one unfavorably and thinks that their time was the best. And I'm not like an anti-tech person, but I do think that less video games and less iPad for, you know, five to 18 year olds these days and more fresh air, physical activity and time socializing and interacting with other people and playing would be really yeah. good for those kids, those individuals and many adults too. A hundred percent. How can I make a million dollars per year without making content? Can you think of any business models where a, a solopreneur was successful in building a million dollar a year business that did not involve that person making any content. Cheers. I've never done that. So I don't know. I have no, like everything I've done is based off of content. Mm -hmm. um, I know there are amazing, I mean, Alex Hormozy stands out as a guy who just has only recently started making content after years of dominating mm -hmm. without it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it also depends what you mean by content. Like does running advertisements count as content? Mm. Because I think nowadays a good advertisement is content, Mm -hmm. right? In terms of like if you are paying for an ad, like a Super Bowl commercial, that's an advertisement, but it's content is what it is. Um, So I think it would be very difficult to build a, a highly successful like, and I would like multi-million dollar business without any content because any content is like uh, even paying for an ad. That's that. And, and that's really the only other way that I could think if you're not putting out free content that's educational, informative, entertaining, then there are two other options that I can think of off the top of my head. One is paid advertisements mm-hmm. and the other is referrals. Mm-hmm. And I think ideally you could use all three free content, paid advertisements and referrals to build the the best business you possibly can rather than using either one alone. Um, even email marketing, like that's content. Emails are content. So I don't see how the, the really only way if you want to avoid all content together, then it would all be from referrals and you'd have to do a hell of a job and it would probably have to be an in-person business in order to like, you couldn't have an online business because if it's an online business, you have to be making content somehow. And even if your product or service was so good that you built it that big based on referrals alone, it would have been bigger had you been making content. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Because they're both forms of reach, making free content, paid advertising, way to get new eyeballs onto your product or service and, uh, and referrals, way to get more people interested in your product or service. So yeah, technically you could, if you had an incredible product or an incredible service that people really wanted and really wanted to use, that they derive so much more value than what they were paying for. And then it's spread via word of mouth, which is going to be slower than it would spread if you were putting things on the internet for people to see, which is where so many people are spending so much time. What would be follow-up? What would be the skill set? Like you brought up Hormozy. Uh, I, I don't know that backstory a ton other than seems to be very good at writing copy and a really good uh, even like in-person salesman. Um, so I guess really good sales and really good product slash service. What else and would ads you and run, really, and run like that's right. Big ads. That's right. That's right. A lot of ads. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's which is content. Yeah. Like yeah. A good advertisement is just great content that you're paying for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh I mean the only other way I could think about it would be like if you have a a brick and mortar thing, a brick and mortar business that people drive by and there's high volume and I don't know, maybe you like own a, a McDonald's franchise, right? Or whatever, like, yeah, or I don't something, think, but I don't think franchisees are getting a million. Like I saw the math on, was it Chick-fil-A, whatever, single restaurant owner, and they're not netting, you know, the question asked a million dollars a year. I don't think they're netting anywhere close to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm sure, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but. It'd, it'd be much easier for you if you did make content. <laughs> well said. All right, here's something. Someone asked, what changed in the fitness industry regarding sodium? Before, don't eat salt. Now, drink salt. <laughs> great question. It's a great question. Do you know what, and I guess I can hypothesize what the reasons were that people were anti-sodium and and I'm guessing blood pressure, like too much sodium correlated with high blood pressure, risk of heart attack, et cetera, was, was part of what was at the base of that. Do you know what else was driving like an anti-sodium movement during its time? That was the main reason it was like, but a lot of it was based off of correlational data of people it was like oh people who eat very high salt also often have very high blood pressure and if you eat a lot of salt like it can have a direct impact on your blood pressure immediately um so the 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 recommendations were especially if you have high blood pressure you need to reduce salt but what they weren't taking into account was that a lot of these people who had high blood pressure they were also super overweight they were also often smoking they were not they were not exercising and 
they were eating so much salt, not because they were salting their foods, but because the vast majority of the food they were eating was highly processed food that also needed to have a lot of salt as a preservative or whatever it was. So like the salt, it, it came with a ton of extra salt and their lifestyle factors in combination with that was a big issue. And then this is actually, I think you might've found me for my, my guest article on Eric Cressy's website in 2011 was about salt, salt intake. That hmm. was, I wrote that. And I remember, cause I had always been taught that you needed to reduce sodium. And I started writing that article for Eric, like parroting what I had been taught in school and everything. And then I started doing research and I was like, I literally, I wrote like the first half of the article. And then I started, I, I wanted to cite sources. So I started looking them up and I was like, holy shit. I'm so glad that I'm actually researching this because I almost gave Eric Cressy my first ever like big guest article, a factually incorrect piece of content that I had learned in college about like you needed to in my sports nutrition class, which is ironic because like sports nutrition, like they should be talking about the electrolytes, all that stuff. But I was told you should not be having a lot of sodium when the reality is um, all of these other variables were massively confounding, not to mention it's easier to increase potassium to which will then have essentially the same effect of reducing sodium but it's far easier mm. like uh, it's if you look at the research around very low sodium diets they are so difficult for people to sustain it's so ch for any number of reasons not least of which it's just super bland and not enjoyable mm -hmm. but if you increase potassium you get the exact same benefits of reducing sodium without actually having to reduce sodium and that will improve your blood pressure. And also what, if you're increasing potassium, odds are you're having more fruits and vegetables and, and less processed foods. So you're going to be improving your body composition. You're going to be improving the quality of your foods, like all that stuff. So a lot of the initial uh, hatred and fear mongering around sodium was based around people who weren't living healthy lifestyles anyways. Um, now I see a lot of people talking about sodium and how you need to be having it in your pre-workout. You need to be drinking it and I do think it is going too far. I think it's, it's, I'm, I see people who are like, yeah, you need to be drinking a lot of salt and make sure you're hydrated. It's like, unless you're like a sweating a crazy fucking amount, like you, you're good. <laughs> like, like most people, especially people who are overweight and have high blood pressure, like they should not really be adding salt to their shit. Like let's focus on other things. But if you are, sweating a lot from your workouts, you're highly active individual. Sure. By all means, like do that. But I do think it has swung to the extreme, which is very fitness industry esque in terms of like, now we've got everybody adding fucking salt to their, to their drinks. I'm like, all right, relax. Like your blood pressure is 160 over 85. Like, I think you don't need to be adding salt to your, to your pre-workout. Yeah. You, you made a great point in there that I love, which is you sat down to write a long form article and spent a lot of time researching and people think that you sit down and write to communicate what you know, but you sit down and write to learn about something. And that's what you did and, and reached the conclusion, the proper conclusion through that process. So good for you. That was a key, key memory that I will always have. I remember I was so excited. Eric was like, yeah, you can write an article for my website. I was like, awesome. What do you want to write? And he was like, oh, I think he was the one that suggested this. I don't fully remember, but either way we came on that topic. All right, I'll do a guest article on this. And I'm writing it and I'm sitting, cause I was, I was living with my mom at the time and and I was sitting at the, uh, in her apartment in Chelsea, Massachusetts, and I'm sitting at the table and I'm writing it. And I remember being like, holy shit. And my mom was like, what? I was like, I almost just sent Eric a factually incorrect article. And I, and I had a whole conversation with my mom about, I was like, I am so glad that I actually did this research before I just wrote an article based off of the knowledge that I had accumulated in school because shocker university taught me the wrong shit. Mm. Mm. That was a, a key key moment in my in my career where I was like, all right, I definitely have to research everything before I write a long form article about it. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, here's actually a great question. I love this. I might also answer this on my Instagram. Um, Lizzie Feist. Lizzie. She asked, 
Lizzie Feist, she said, is it wrong of me to turn down male one-on-one clients? I really only want to train females. Hmm. I love this question. What do you think? If you love it, you can, you can run with it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I think, uh, man, I was just about to get political. You know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to keep going with it. Um, I think there's too much push for <laughs> Mike is just covering his face. He's like, God damn it. He's like, there's too much push for like, um, equality of outcome, da, 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 all this stuff. It's like, focus on who you want to focus on. Now, if you're like, I only want to work with white people, that's a fucking problem. Like that, that's not okay. But hey, I only want to work with women. Cool. I only want to work with men. Cool. I only want to work with basketball players. Cool. Fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that at all. Because especially in a general circumstance, like men and women go through very different things. And generally they have very different needs. They have uh, often have very different goals. Uh, oftentimes it's, it's uh, they feel more or less comfortable speaking to someone of the opposite sex. So like if you feel more comfortable and that's what you want to focus on, great. I think that's amazing. And don't let anyone say, well, you should also work with them with men too. It's like, if you want to work with women, just only work with women. Yeah. It's your business. Like, and there are differences between male and female that not How only- How dare you? What's that? <laughs> How dare <laughs> How you? How dare I? <laughs> um, yeah, if, if you're- I'm not going down this rabbit hole. Let's use common sense here. Yes, you absolutely, if you're more comfortable and or just would prefer to work with one of the sexes rather than the other- uh, you're a woman, so you feel more comfortable coaching women, uh, or even like it. It does that doesn't need to be the reason. You're allowed. It's your business. Yeah. Work yeah. with work with who you want to and who you're better at working with. This is kind of like, uh, you know, we could say this with anything. Like, if if you enjoy training high level athletes, and someone who's 75 years old and overweight comes to you wanting to lose body fat and has, you know, really struggles with their relationship with food and has binge eating issues. And you're like, that's not who I work with. That's okay. You don't have to work with everybody. Maybe this is a little more of a hot button question. Maybe it's not even like you might, we might be overthinking it, but um, because it's male, female, but like, you as the coach and as the CEO of your business get to pick the population who you want to work with. And, you know, kindly, if, if a man applies for coaching and you're not taking men on, tell him that and say, by the way, I know a handful of good coaches. I'm happy to refer you to one uh, who, who I think does work with you. Like, great. Love that. Yeah. Do you, you seemed to think that because she was asking the question that, she felt like she would be doing something wrong if she didn't take on male clients. Yeah, she the way she phrased it, she said, is it she literally wrote, is it wrong of me to turn down male one-on-one clients? I would only like to train females. Yeah. It's like, no, it's it, it clearly there's some form of either self-imposed or uh or maybe there are other people in her life who are like, why are you only taking on women? Like you should take on men if they want the help too. It's like, well, that's your my choice of who I want to work with and like who I want to like who I'm more passionate about helping and I think if 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 you are more passionate about helping women then there should be zero guilt associated with that there's nothing wrong whatsoever and I mean be the best trainer for women ever mm-hmm. like learn as much about it and learn all the things that specifically affect women like learning all about the menstrual cycle, learning all about different hormonal changes and learning about menopause and like learning all of it, like learn about everything, learn about anatomy and physiology, learn about the differences in bone structure, uh, learn, look at the differences in injury rates in, in different parts. Like uh, oftentimes women will will have injuries, whether it's in their, their ACL or uh, often lower back pain, like look, look at things that are affecting women. And that well, you then will probably be undereducated on things pertaining to men. Cool. You've just established yourself as the leading person for training women. So great. That's, that's, that's uh, the side of niching down that I'm totally fine with. Mm. 
where it's like, yeah, pick a, a, a general population, women. Great. It doesn't have to be women between the ages of 27 and 32 and a half who make six figures a year. It's just like, no, just women. I love that. I think it's a great idea. I wonder, because I've seen some of this and I've talked to female coaches about this, but there's a type of man, there's nothing wrong with if you're a man signing up to coach with a woman, obviously, I shouldn't have to say there's nothing wrong with that, but I do know a type of man who signs on for coaching with a female coach because he wants to wife her. Yeah. Like, I th- this will get me access to be able to communicate with her. So, Correct. I would imagine some women might feel a degree of discomfort in in that situation, which just further makes the point that no. That's why so many of the dudes who sign up for OnlyFans are signing up for OnlyFans because they're like, they think that if they're signing up to a woman's OnlyFans, then like they're going to hook up with her or whatever it is. It's like, nope. <laughs> yeah. <it's- laughs> yeah. We should start a mentorship. Yeah, th- we should start a mentorship. We should start a free mentorship. For dudes who are subscribed to OnlyFans and yeah. and we're gonna take Improving you into life. this. Yeah. In fact, yeah. let's actually do it. Let's do it. It's free. Cancel your OnlyFans. You have yeah, you gotta cancel your OnlyFans accounts. And then you join we're gonna, the we'll think of a good name. But yeah. Like a life improvement, like get you on the right path. Yeah. Get you in the gym, get you some routines, get you some structure in your life get you some direction because paying 20 bucks a month to some chick to see her boobs is not the strategy for life. No, terrible, terrible idea. And from love, this is coming from deep love from two dudes who have lived many, many years. It's going to, it's going to help men and society as a whole. How dare you help men and not help women? How dare you? You, (laughs) you're awful. It's not, you, you shouldn't be subscribing to OnlyFans. It's like, it's not doing you good, any good. It's just not. Or society. Correct. Rapid fire to finish. Okay, here's an interesting one. I don't know if you like this. Uh, as a woman, what upper body exercises to avoid so I don't grow my traps bigger? Cool. What do you think? Uh, I mean, exercises that recruit the upper traps. So I have potentially an unpopular opinion with this one. But you can't, what you sometimes do here is you change like, like, okay, let's hear your unpopular opinion. I Do you it, even know what I'm going to say? Yeah, some, like we, we had one before where I, uh, putting words in my mouth. <laughs> no, I don't know exactly what you're going to, but I think you're going to say like your upper traps aren't going to grow as much as you think they're going to grow. No, so you don't. that's not what I was going to say at all. Okay. All right. I was going to say something that is going to be very unpopular. Oh, all right. Cool. Lateral shoulder raises. Oh, oh I la- all right. Yeah. I didn't see this coming. Nice. Lateral shoulder raises. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of trap involvement. Yeah. And even if you're doing it properly, there's a lot of trap involvement just in order to upwardly rotate the scapula. Mm-hmm. Like you're, I think lateral shoulder raises are one of the best exercises for growing traps. Mm. And, and especially if you're trying to, if you're really pushing the weight on it, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to use trap. Like it's, it's impossible not to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but this is difficult because also common trend for women is they want more defined shoulders. So, uh, generally speaking, I would, I would limit the amount of lateral shoulder raise that you're doing and really focus on instead of necessarily progressive, progressively overloading with heavier weight, which is difficult enough on a lateral shoulder raise, but using a technique, really pushing your arms out as you, so not allowing your, your, uh, your traps to get as involved and really reaching out with your arms as you come up and and focusing on a slow eccentric with lighter weight slow eccentric so to get as much shoulder as you can with as little trap as possible but if you're really going trying to push those lateral shoulder raises like you are getting a lot of trap Mm. which like i like it it's it make it it hits it hits your traps like and listen a lot of people say women can't get bulky. No, of course women can get bulky. Like if you tr- like, it doesn't like look at some of these outrageously fit CrossFit women. It's like, yeah, they can. And like, 
They can for sure, but also they're also training way harder than most people in the gym are. So it makes sense. But to say women can't get bulky, like that's that's stupid. Just like men, there's a genetic component. There are hyper responders. Yeah. There are people who add muscle way easier and people who don't add muscle nearly as easy. Uh, I I would cross that bridge when you come to it, right? I wouldn't go into it saying I'm not going to do any exercises that affect the upper traps because then you're cutting some pretty good stuff, right? Like to say. I'm never going to deadlift because there's, you know, a loaded isometric on the upper trap. Like, I don't know if that, not, I don't know. That's not necessary, but yeah, shrugs, farmers carries, rack pulls, like don't do an excess of volume for the upper traps, lateral raises or, or do them with more dialed techniques. Do you have any unpopular opinions in terms of exercises to avoid or to be aware of? All the ones I just did. Oh, cool, cool. Got it, got it. I mean, holding super heavy weights mm-hmm. or shrugging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? You know what is another one? Tell me. Cleans. Yeah. Cleans will build outrageous traps. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing barbell cleans and you don't want big traps, stop doing barbell cleans. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Kettlebell cleans, on the other hand, not as trap focused at all. Kettlebell cleans, you do still use some, but based on on how the arm, the the motion of the arm works, it's actually a lot less trap. It's all it's a lot less shrug and a lot more momentum with the hip and like the way that the arm comes up, it's less trap. So it comes uh, more from hip extension than from trap. From the the shrugging yeah, part yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. So the barbell shrug, the barbell uh clean, excuse me, has a massive shrug component to it. Kettlebell, because it's more of a pendulum, it's less shrugging. Whereas the barbell, you want it to come straight up oftentimes and you have to shrug in order to make that happen. So that's where I think a lot of the CrossFit women get Mm. big, big traps is from they do so many cleans, so many snatches. Good one. Junior junior high school, we went hard on cleans and they- Oh, did you? Yeah. I love watching the the football players, like high school football players, like cleaning 315. I'm like, you Insane. guys are just animals. It's unbelievable. Insane. I can't believe you thought I was going to go the other way with that. I can't believe you're like, oh, well, you always say, no, it's okay. If you, like, Yeah, if you want big traps, go for it. But she specifically didn't want big traps. I'm with you. The way you said it, I, I did misinterpret that. That one was on me. That was an unfair judgment, Michael. Hey. If you're still listening right now, we would very, very, very much appreciate it if you would subscribe to our YouTube channel. We don't run ads. There's no Jersey Mike's giving us money to promote stuff. You're not going to, you know, this is just free listening, free enjoyment. And so if you want to find a way to pay us back just a little bit at Personal Trainer Podcast on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much. We hope you have the best day, best week, weekly uploads. Anything else, George? I'm about to go to Chick-fil-A, get some grilled nuts. High protein, low fat, low carb. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful week. We will talk to you next week for our weekly upload.